0: Before we get started, does anyone want to get out? This is called pilot radio. Three balls, two strikes, the pitch. Swing and a long drive. Deep left field. Going, going, going. You know the difference between justice and punishment? I swear to God. Swear to me. You are unwise to the not at all, right?
1: Even shenanigans. I swear to God, I'll pistol up the next guy that says shenanigans. Can't answer this. It's Nope. Red alert. All hands come out and it. This is called Pilot Radio. This
0: is called Pilot Radio.
1: Good afternoon, good evening, all of you GGR Pirate Radio listeners. My name is Mike Blunsford. I am the editor-in-chief of GGR. Uh, That stands for the Great Geek Refuge. If you are unfamiliar with our site, if this is the first time you're listening to a podcast, well, first off, welcome. Thank you for uh, picking us up. But also, let me give you the website. It is www.greatgeekrefuge.com. Today is a very, 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 very special podcast. Uh, With me today is uh, Steve Monick. Steve, say hello to our fine listeners today.
0: Hey, everybody out there. Thanks for tuning in and listening to GGR Radio I also want to throw a special shout-out to my future mother-in-law, Mary Ellen, who started listening and, and has nothing but nice things to say about the podcast, so
1: thanks Aww. for tuning in again. Thanks, Mary Ellen. Thanks for listening. But um, today is, well, not technically today. Uh, we got about seven days before that actually happens, but I, I'm just going to consider the entire month of July like a GGR extravaganza because okay. it is our... One year anniversary um, Woo! twelve I know woohoo twelve months ago uh, at this time, uh, I think you and I were probably sitting on those uh, leather chairs that that we have at that place that we both used to work, um, discussing how we were going to set this website up.
0: yeah, it all started out um, you were talking about your uh, your comic book, Ethan Stone, um, and you wanted me to do an interview for you guys for your special edition you want me to interview you and the uh, the artist ben shaw um and that kind of snowballed into well that kind of worked out we want to do like more writing I mean, we talk about movies comic books all the stuff we do on the site now we talk about that stuff during these breaks and everything why don't we start writing about it why don't we start doing like a a site about it because obviously we kind of gel together in this little project we did um you know how can we how can we make that go into something a little bit bigger
1: yeah and it's just like it it started off as something that was just kind of fun and we goofed around with it and i remember the first articles the first two articles we wrote um was the uh how to fix the phantom menace uh article that i wrote Oh, I'm sorry, that GC Rodriguez wrote. Yeah. Um, and then there was the um, the article that Pete Rogers wrote about the uh, the 25 superheroes that would uh, be great uh, athletes. And I just remember the first article we actually worked on was you had written the uh, the superhero one, and then you sent it to me, and I was like, all right, I'll go ahead and post it. And I added the pictures, and I added the captions, and it took me like three hours to do it. <laughs> and it was like painstakingly like, Every every single thing had to be perfect. I was like, "There's no way," and and I'm gonna make sure that everything is is fantastic. And now I've gotten it down to a science where, like, I can take somebody's article that they sent me, and like have it done and ready and edited in like like maybe 20 minutes. It, yeah. It's it's so cool because I was just kind of thinking back on all the stuff that had happened and that's changed since we started this, and um, it was just crazy how. How much has changed, and how much easier it's gotten, and like, more importantly, like the the coolest thing for me with all of this is seeing that it wasn't just me and you talking to ourselves, you know, like that it wasn't just the two of us just having a conversation. We're the only ones reading the articles, and we're the only ones listening to the podcasts, and like we're not getting pity listens and pity reads anymore. It's just our family and friends. We're actually expanding out, and we're adding people, and there's there's like people who are messaging me. Coincidentally enough, there's this dude that lives in Los Angeles, and his name is Ethan Stone. Oh, wow. And he messaged me on GGR, and he was just like, hey, it's so cool to see that there's a website that has a whole section devoted to a guy named after me. You know, I read your <laughs> comic book. I really liked it. And I was like, this is kind of weird, but this is kind of cool at the same time. And it was – for me, it's, it's humbling like, to think that people actually think the words that are coming out of our mouths or the words that we're typing on – our website, are actually worth reading. And to see that, um, I I pushed really, really hard on Facebook this past week to try to get as many page views as we possibly could, and we actually broke a record. We had more page views in the last two months for May and June of 2015 than we've had ever on GGR. Like, we just shattered the records. We had, like, over, it was almost 2,000 total page views that we had Uh, Which, I mean, for anybody running their own website, they may listen to this and be like, oh, 2,000 is no big deal. I get a million every week. Shut up. Like, this was big for us, okay? So don't poo-poo our our little mini victory here. But it was... I also
0: believe, too, that um, 2,000 page views goes beyond just friends and family. And that's without any advertising, without really any SEO, nothing really... More than creating content and word of mouth, and I think that exactly. this kind of expansion is just the the tip of the iceberg of what GGR can do in the next year.
1: Oh yeah, and and it's and it's in the works. I'm working on it right now um, for us to advertise with a couple of different people. Um, we've already started with Amazon. Um, we're going to be working with Google too. I mean, this is we're getting there. It's it's slow and steady, but like uh, it's it's still a blast. And, and and let me just thank everybody for for listening for reading. For giving us your input, um, at some point I'll probably end up talking to Andy tonight, and I'll have him on because that was another milestone for me. Was actually getting somebody, like recruiting somebody.
0: Yeah, you're taking the words right out of my mouth.
1: <laughs> yeah, it was. What
0: I say like you know, in addition to you know all the things we're doing with Google and, and advertising and stuff, the only way to really be a true website is to generate quality content. Yeah. Um, you know I feel like the stuff you and I do the podcast the articles that we've written you know it is all quality stuff but there's no way these two guys can generate a a website that's worth visiting every day by themselves Um, and so having people like Andy um, you know our newest writer Hannah and then all the spot articles by our uh, you know Vic has written a number of different articles Um, and then we have a handful of people who've written one here and there when they've had time in their busy lives so anyone and anyone who's contributed that's been a part that's shared ggr links on their facebook page anyone like that um huge shout out to, to making ggr you know what it is so far today
1: oh yeah absolutely and it, it was cool to be able to actually seem like we're not clown shoes when we went to comic-con and like talk yeah. to people like hey here's my website and they're like oh well this is kind of cool i'll check it out so it's i think we've taken a big step and uh I, I only see good things, even better things coming from, uh, from this. So thanks again, guys. Um, that was our cool little intro. Um, we'll have this month. It is just, an, like I said, a GGR extravaganza. It is going to be all sorts of cool things, kind of celebrating what we did in our first year, uh, kind of going back and looking back on the things that we did, the things that we enjoyed. Um, but what we wanted to do is we wanted to make this true to what GGR does and not just, like, pat ourselves on the back the entire time. Uh, Steve and I started talking last night. We were like, well, what are we going to talk about on the podcast? And we started talking about crappy music. Now, <laughs> crappy is a subjective term. What what is crappy to me may be fantastic to others. But it's one of those things where no matter what you how you feel about music, there are certain bands that you're proud to admit that you like, like me, the Foo Fighters, Nirvana, you know, Queen. Like when we did our our top five. Um, but then there's the other bands that you don't really mention in polite conversation because you might get looks you might get judged severely I personally don't care I'll tell everybody exactly what I like and if they have a problem with it they can pound sand as far as I'm concerned but the, this list that we're about to go over is the ones that you have to make sure you actually trust somebody when you tell them that you like these bands So,
0: yeah you better be pretty darn good friends with these people before you start talking about this music because they might not be sticking around
1: exactly that this could end these bands could end friendships. so um, I am I've got a really good list here. I know you do too. We were talking about it last night, but um, I'll let you go ahead and start Steve since you again, I default to you when it comes to all music things. so
0: yeah, so I'm gonna start off just kind of dipping my toe in the water. There's definitely a lot of people who really like this band um, and they've actually had some you know notoriety in the last 10 years uh, because of Guitar Hero. Um, I love the band Dragon Force. Um, it kind of goes to like my metal and and you know heavy rock and that kind of stuff. Um, but I was actually listening to them before Guitar Hero 3 came out and Through the Fire and the Flames and um, yeah there's a a lot of writing. I mean they're the kind of band that's writing about ancient, you know, temples and and you know, you know fighting villains and, and it sounds like J.R.R. Tolkien was the one who wrote the, the lyrics to all their songs. And there's like insane metal and drumming, and it's certainly not for everyone. And a lot of people are like, really, you kind of like that Guitar Hero band? But I do. I love them. I think they're awesome. I, you know, Like I said, I've been listening to them since uh, their first album, The Valley of the Damned, in 2003. So, um, I don't know. I just like them.
1: <laughs> yeah, and it's one of those things I don't think you really need. Is, like you said, being unapologetic about the music that you like. Um, one of my heroes, Dave Grohl, um, from the Foo Fighters said, he was like, don't ever call it, like, a guilty pleasure. He's like, you like what you like, and if somebody doesn't like it, they can F off. And I was like, yeah, that's, yeah, that's a good point. So, yeah, um, I'm gonna dip, dip my toe in very gently, um, very gingerly here. Um, mine are very, I wouldn't say dated, dated is the wrong word, but most of them are, are nostalgia for me in a certain way, where it's all music from, like the late 90s, early 2000s that you can just kind of see, well, 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 we know what kind of radio Mike listened to when he was in high school. Um, the first one that I'm going to listen to, and this is kind of what, caught, what started this idea for this article in the first place, is Limp Biscuit. And oh, with... <laughs> Limp Biscuit elicits a very strong reaction from people. You either... You either react to somebody saying, oh, well, I like Limb Bizkit, with a hell yeah, or a, oh my god, are you serious? What's wrong with you? Do you have I, I a stroke? Like...
0: Immediately, because obviously something is very wrong.
1: <laughs> it was, and it was one of those things where I hadn't listened to them in probably 15 years. I really just, because they don't get played on the radio anymore. It was like they had their moment in the sun, and then it was just kind of like, eh, well, we're good. We don't need to listen to them anymore. And I have Spotify on my phone and i'm going to work and i have it on the um, the 90s channel and nookie by limp biscuit came on and i'm sitting there singing every single fr- friggin' word to it and it's like why do i know every word of the song and i'm like because i had this cd and i had the next one that had Roland on it and i loved that song and i know all the words of that song too and and then i of course i downloaded like all of limp biscuit stuff that i liked so I, again unapologetic don't care love them I loved that that time period that like metal Rock, rap, con- like just amalgam that just became like created out of nowhere, that uh, just kind of blew up uh, in the late '90s, early uh, early 2000s.
0: Yeah, uh, my biggest experience with Limp Biscuit was when they did the uh, some of the music for Mission Impossible Two.
1: Oh yeah, yeah. They did
0: the Mission Impossible theme and stuff like that, and that was like the perfect confluence of my youth. I was like, I love Mission Impossible. I love. Loud music, that you know, whatever. And I love Mission Possible too. And pretty much everyone outside of that segment of thirteen-year-olds that I was in at the time hated everything that was about that. They hated Limp <laughs> Bizkit. They hated Mission Possible too. They hated Tom Cruise. It's just only you know, crazy you know, pre-pubescent pu- pu- teens were were into that kind of stuff, and that's what I was in. So I was like, this is awesome. This is metal. <laughs> And then I started like <laughs> listening to, like other stuff. I'm like, oh, oh,
1: wait a minute, wait a minute. Yeah, yeah and I think I think that's what it is. Too. Like you,
0: time. I mean, it, it rocked.
1: Yeah. I think, like you said, though, um, it was it's almost like an immature version of metal, of rock, of rap. Like that's kind of your gateway drug into better things. Because from that, um, I started getting into more metal bands. I remember. Um, uh, falling in love, just absolutely falling in love with Children of Bodom and just getting into way more metal than I'd ever really been into before. I mean, going essentially like going back and getting all the back stuff, like getting, you know, into Dio, getting into more of the Metallica stuff, which actually takes me back to another one that's in that category of the rock rap fusion and that's Kid Rock. And I remember hearing History of Rock and I was like, where is that that bass line coming from? Where is that backup song? I've heard that a million times. What is that? And one of my friends who was really into Metallica was like, dude, that's sad but true. And I was like, oh, that's awesome. So I went back. I never actually owned the Black album. Went and bought the Black album oh, and was like, oh my god, this is even better than the Kid Rock song. But still, Kid Rock has got one of those... You Again, you either love them or you hate them. And... I'm not going to stand by his music. I'm not going to say that he's the greatest musician of all time, that he's fantastic, that he's... Oh, he just changes the world with his lyrics or his songs. They're all decent. And he is continuing to put out music. I mean, he has a really loyal following. And whether you love him or you hate him, i got to say this about the guy. He is an incredible person for the things that he does for his fans, but more importantly, what he does for a very beleaguered, beat-down city that he's from, and that's Detroit. He, like, he gives tons of money... To inner city youth in Detroit, into rebuilding housing projects and um, like YMCAs and things like that, like trying to keep Detroit together. So, I mean, he's not just taking his money and like the songs, you know, and, you know, going out on yachts and, you know, drinking Cristal and having strippers and stuff like that. Like, he says that in songs, but then he goes out and he actually does good things with his music. So, like, you gotta give the guy credit for that at least.
0: Oh, yeah, it's refreshing to hear something like that. And I think this is probably a good thread for all the bands, all the acts, everything we're going to be talking about. Not in the entire pantheon of music, not everything can be groundbreaking, not everything can be genre-changing, not everything can be like the most new and progressive thing of all time. Um, there's certainly those bands out there, those acts out there, but there's some stuff that's just fun to listen to. Exactly. Don't don't call it a guilty pleasure, but that's the way that we experience them in in small snippets when we feel like, uh, you know, I don't feel like thinking about these deep, dense lyrics or, you know, I don't feel like putting in all the effort it takes to be a fan of this band right now. I just want to listen to someone who's going to play a crap out of these three power chords. and There's nothing wrong with that. Um, And that's how I feel about looking at this list of bands right now is, you know, I like a lot of really deep. Frog Rock, like I love Dream Theater and yes, and King Crimson and stuff that's like a ten or twelve minute song. You know, stuff that's really intense with the, the levels of music that it puts into it. And this list of bands that I'm looking at here, it's like this is the simplest stuff, you know, except for Dragon Force, I mean, they're kind of crazy with the guitar and stuff. But a lot of sure. these bands I'm looking at, it's like, you know, if an eight year old can listen to this stuff and enjoy it because it's simple, it's accessible. There's nothing wrong with liking that side of the spectrum. Just because you like one band doesn't mean you like other stuff
1: less. Exactly. Yeah. And that's that's a really good segue too into um, one that I just want to quickly mention that I have on my list um, because they don't require a lot of thought to like them. And they came out at the time I was like in middle school, so that means you were like I don't know, like four. Um, so, um, and that's Presidents of the United States of America. They did that. I can't even remember the name of the album. It might have been self-titled, but they did Lump, off of that one, they did Peaches off of that one. I have that album somewhere around my house. But like, again, no thought is required. It's just fun. It's their music videos. They didn't take themselves too seriously. Like in the in the video for Peaches, they're out in the middle of the woods, you know, playing their playing their guitars, playing their drums and stuff like that, and then ninjas show up and they fight the ninjas. I mean, like it's the fact that they knew what they were, and they didn't, like, they don't care. People are gonna be like, oh, well, they suck. Okay, cool, we suck, but we're having fun. And that that's refreshing. You're not having these people who take themselves too seriously. You know, that infamous Metallica in Toronto with uh, Guns N' Roses, where Ax- um, James Hetfield caught his arm on fire and was like, horribly, horribly burned. And then Axl Rose was just like, well, I'm not going on. You're not taking the thunder away from me because he's, you know, he's too pompous and too much of a jerk. Um, presidents of the united states of america would never have done anything they they would have been like well heck yeah we'll do some really crappy of your songs too how does that sound and people probably would have loved the crap out of that
0: they're the kind of band they're like sure we'll do a theme song for the drew Carey show like
1: <laughs> i am
0: from pittsburgh and i sing the cleveland rock song which i believe i mentioned when we were talking about the drew Carey show last week yeah but it's you know, that infectious, it's that fun. And you're right, it comes through your music where they're just, like, poppy and fun. Um, anytime you, you have a, a Weird Al song parody you, uh, I feel that you've made it. Um, yeah. So when, when he did Gump uh, parodying uh, Lump, that, uh, that's how I know that that was a band that has made it.
1: Yeah, and let's tie that right in there um, right now. Weird Al. Weird Al's one of those people that a lot of times you can't admit you like because people are like, oh, he just does parodies. But, like, I don't care. I love Weird Al. I've loved Weird Al since I was a little kid. Like, he's evolved with music as I've evolved with music. Like, he's an incredible... He's a family man now. I mean, like, he's got a wife. He's got a kid. He's always doing nice things in fact like on his Facebook page Jax the other day um, my son was messing around with his Legos and he made a Lego Weird Al and he was just like look at it looks just like Weird Al and I was like oh my god it does you're right and he was like can we show this to Weird Al and I was like yeah I'll put it on his Facebook page and I put it on his Facebook page and Weird Al was like oh my god that's awesome thank you the fact that he responded to that like and he didn't have to he's a busy guy like he's on tour right now and the fact that he responded to my son's Lego figure. That, that's just... The guy is an, he's an incredibly humble person. And you can tell, like you said, that it comes through in his music that he's just having fun. And it's... That's... You, you can't you can't knock that. I, I don't care what anybody says. Like, you cannot knock somebody who's just out there for the fun of it.
0: And Weird Al, to me, is one of those guys where... In his very specific field, he is a genius. Yeah. And being like a goofy parody guy, there is a lot of genius behind it. It's 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 hard to be that wacky, but also be that musically gifted um, without you know really a high level of, of intellect. I mean, the guy he puts on this facade of being kind of goofy sometimes but i don't think that necessarily truly belies the, the man you know the behind the curtain so to speak he's, um, he's he's a true master of his craft
1: oh yeah absolutely absolutely i mean he i mean he's an incredible um, accordion player like he writes all of those songs um, he puts the arrangements together to make them sound like the the original song like the um, the smells like nirvana parody that he did that's if you listen to that without you actually listening to the lyrics, it's surprising how that sounds. And actually, said to him at one point two after listening to it, he was just like, "This has the sound that I wish we could have had on the album. This raw rock sound that we came up with." So, like in weird Al said that he was incredibly just like moved. To the fact that an amazing musician, an amazing songwriter, an amazing guitar player told him, "Hey, yours was better than our ours that came out. That you're parodying." Yeah. Now, granted, I mean, that was about, like, unintelligible lyrics and having marbles in your mouth, so, I mean, I'm sure Kurt didn't think the lyrics were better, but still.
0: I <laughs> the, um, the thing, too, is he always, like, with his lyrics and everything, like, captures the, the sentiment what's funny about the thing. I mean, you know, music takes itself so seriously, and it's nice to see someone kind of flip the script and, and talk about all the points where, like, if you kind of step back and don't take it so seriously, it's kind of funny to you know look at it this way, and he does yeah. that extremely well.
1: Absolutely. Um, what else you got on your list, dude?
0: Um, yeah, kind of shifting gears here a little bit. Uh, another band that a lot of people just cannot stand, and for whatever reason, I like them. Is My Chemical Romance. I don't know if you've ever listened to them before.
1: I have, yeah, yeah. yeah. And Sandy Sandy loves her, her some MCR. I I can't get into them. But I'm not going to be like, oh, this is awful, this is crap, you need to turn it off. I'm just like, eh.
0: What was it exactly that Sandy said about Queen? She said they're a novelty act. Oh, yeah, no. That
1: was, the, the, them's are fighting words, yeah. No,
0: that is, I think, an extremely apt description of what My Chemical Romance is.
1: Oh, yeah, absolutely. For
0: whatever album they're on, they put on some kind of outfit, some kind of persona for the album. And then just that's who they are for that album. Um, like for the Black Parade, some of the songs actually have some really good guitar work. If you listen to the song Dead, I mean, the guitar work is beautiful. But you don't find on any of their other albums because that was the kind of people they were doing in that one. That was the, the act that they were putting on for that album. I mean, yeah. the album beforehand or the album after, and it's nothing like the Black Parade, which I think is the best by far. Um, and then you look at the, this newest one really released really Danger Days, I mean, it's just a bunch of, it's all over the place. I mean, there, there's, there's one song that's called Na Na Na, and then in parentheses it has eight more Na's. I mean, that's the whole name of the song. Eleven N.A. is the whole title. So, I mean, <laughs> I, I, call that a novelty act. And yeah, they, from my understanding, I've never seen them live, but my understanding is they're dreadful live. Um, they're more of a studio game. Um. I don't know. I mean, I'm not going to go see them live, but I have the album, and, and I like what I hear. Um, like I say, especially the Black Parade. If you're going to listen to anyone' out, that's the one you've got to listen to.
1: Yeah, one that I um I loved their first album, and it came out like 1999. Um, and I would yeah, I mean, kind of kind of a novelty act because the way they wrote that album, their first album, it was very um almost prog rock in a sense. And this is going to be Power Man 5000 where it had a theme running throughout it and it was just it was like the whole like you know this is out in the out in space out in the future and everything's um spaceships and lasers and stuff like that but incredibly catchy songs like I can listen to that album from beginning to end and and Um,
0: tonight the stars revolt That's
1: you got it you got it yeah that's the one and it is such a good album and their second album was pretty good too um But just in general, like, the fact that nobody had any clue, and and you might know this, because you know a lot about uh, music in general, but the lead singer, his name is Spider-1, he is Rob Zombie's little brother. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah, but nobody knew that, because he didn't really publicize it. He didn't want to bank off of his brother's good name, and... But it does make sense when you listen to the music, doesn't it? Like the sound and like the way they, the way they compose things together, they sound similar, but not the same. And you can see kind of where it came from, but like, just I thought it was such a cool concept that he did for his first album. The second album was pretty good. He's the, uh, Spider One is the only original member of the band. It's like changed over like five or six different times. And I think they had their one album that was pretty much it, that really people noticed it kind of lost steam after that. Um... But he's been—he continues to put movies out, uh, or movies out. He continues to put music out uh, today. It's just not nearly as big as that first album. Again.
0: Yeah, I could see when worlds collide sounding like the little brother version of like Black Sunshine by White Zombie. You know, I mean, yeah, it, it, that makes so much sense when when you say I, I did not know that, but that makes so much sense. Um, I believe I was introduced to them. I think in world's cloud was on like the first Tony Hawk Pro Skater game. That sounds about right. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that's how I was introduced to them. And kind of like my next band, that was one of those ones where you know it just hit at the right time. You know, in the, the mid '90s when I was a kid, and I was starting to really get into music um, on a deeper level. You know, everyone listens to some kind of music, whatever their parents are listening to when they're kids. Uh, For me, I latched on the music when I was watching this Dream Theater, or I'm sorry, this uh, Dragon Ball Z special that had some Dream Theater songs. Downloaded them off the Napster, fell in love with Dream Theater, and because they're such proficient musicians and they love music so much, the individual members of the band that kind of infected me with that bug too, and I just started. Listening to more types of music more bands and picking up things like, hey, who's that band on that video game, or who's that band playing on the radio right now, and learning more about them, um, and, you know, I delved into each deep corner there, and one that was kind of like Power Man 5000 for me was Godsmack, where it was oh, yeah. really heavy guitars and, like, we're a rock band, oh, kind of thing, and I really just... Whenever I needed to, again, kind of turn my brain off from the dream theater and the depth and the talent of <coughs> music and just wanted power chords, like that was what I turned to. I would listen to Godsmack all the time, cruising around in my car with my buddies. Um, yeah, you know, my car, it didn't, ha- it, it, it didn't have a CD player, it had a tape deck. if you that <laughs> nice. a tape deck, um, there's these things called cassettes. They were plastic and they had a magnetic ribbon in there that had the music on there and you put it in there. Um, and so I one of those adapters for my CD players so I plug in the tape deck. But for you kids out there, CD player, um, there were these circular plastic discs, and it had information on it that played the music, so uh, there's a little history lesson for you. Um, <laughs> so we Very nice. And we'd listen to this kind of stuff. We'd listen to New Found Glory Dream Theater, the stuff I listen to on my favorite bands, Metallica, Green Bay, um, but we also listen to this kind of stuff, too, because... You know, just screaming, you know, Godsmack and, and and the you know singing like Moon Baby and stuff like that. You just felt like you felt like an adult. You felt like it was something you, you weren't a kid anymore because you had your driver's license finally and you were listening yeah. to like this power metal stuff and, and you, you felt like an adult. You felt like you could go do anything for the first time in your life.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's a great call, man. Like being in your car and having your music and being able to blast as loud as you want. And it's it's incredibly, it's like the definition of freedom. Like when I think of freedom, I mean like a lot of people are like, well, Eagles and America and a flag, and you know, patriotism. No, I think of like being in a car in an open road and just listening to whatever you want. And like that is the definition of freedom to me. And the fact that you can't really, I put a post up on Facebook a while ago when I was, um, like, right before I was mowing my grass, I was saying, I got my iPod, I got my headphones, and I'm going to listen to my playlist. It's like being 13 again and having my Walkman and my custom mixtape that I had. Like, there, there was something about that mixtape that we all had. that Like, the thing that we recorded that made it a little more personal than, like, just downloading a couple of files and throwing them into a playlist. It, it's just not the same. Um, and those darn kids, you, you and your rock music, you guys, you kids just won't get it with your iPods and your in your crazy
0: technology. Um. Yeah, I mean, that's essentially what we had to do, and I had a whole series, I called them Steve's Mix, and I would craft, you know, playlists uh, from some of the stuff that was new, some of the stuff I was discovering at the time, and and burn them onto CDs and share them with my brother and my friends. Yeah. Because back in the day, you had to have, like, a CD wallet in your car to actually listen to the music you wanted to. I mean, you know, I will say, for the the iPod, at least you can carry 2,000 songs with you in your pocket instead of... A huge CD wallet, like you know, and, and yeah. possibly crash your car while flipping through your pages that CD. It. But yeah, making mixed CDs and finding different songs and stuff that was just coming out, dude. That yeah. was that was the life. I mean, that's what I would do on a computer all the time. Is, is craft these musical lists yeah. and, and, and find what me and my friends wanted to listen to. And then, like you said, we get in the car. We didn't even necessarily have anywhere to go. You know, we we would drive from one place to the other. You know, then we'd stop at like an ice cream place or, or talk to whoever. I mean, we just go places and listen to music because we could.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, I think we're hitting on um, a thread here. I think we're, hitting, we're really hitting a vein of really what, when we started GGR, it kind of ties it back to what we started about at the beginning, what GGR was all about. It's, it's these things that we had that we loved from our childhood, from our formative years, and it was part of the reason why we agreed that this thing was such a good idea because this is the same kind of thing that we both loved doing. And you in Pittsburgh, me in Virginia, we essentially did the same things. And I think that if we have listeners in California, in Florida, in Montana, in Canada, in France, I think everybody's in the same boat. I think everybody, when they have their freedom, when they start finding music, that's theirs, that they can call their own, when they find a band that they have never heard of before and you get to delve into it yourself, and you get to see who they really were, like where they came from, and you get to hear more than just the one song that you heard. It's, it's incredible. It's such a rush. Like A perfect example for me would be um, would be Lifehouse. We, we talked about Lifehouse, and it was funny because it's quote-unquote a guilty pleasure. But again, I, I don't give a crap what anybody thinks if they, if they don't like Lifehouse or if they're like, oh, you're lame for liking Lifehouse. No, you're lame for judging me for my musical taste. Um, <laughs> I like yeah. Um, I love Lifehouse. I love Lifehouse. Their first album, fantastic. Like going back to high school here. If you had a chick over that you liked, and you were looking for some some sweet love, and put Lifehouse first album with Hanging on a Moment on it, you, you're getting something And if you're not, there's something wrong with you because it ain't the music. You can't blame it on the music. Um, fantastic album, like from from song one all the way through. Um, But then we also, you mentioned something that was, like, I thought you were, like, in my brain, like, reaching through and finding memories and plucking them out, because you were like, Stanley Kleinfall is such a good album. And I was like, oh, my God, get out of my head. Because, like, I'm the only person I know. Well, now, too, I know you. But, like, we're, like, the only two people in the face of creation that actually have said, this album is great. I don't feel like anybody else really appreciated how good that album was.
0: Yeah, and uh, I actually have to thank, my brother, uh, uh, Grant, for for kind of carrying me on to, to Lifehouse proper. I yeah. had listened to some of their hits. I'd listened to a few songs off of No Name Face uh, when they came out. And I'm like, yeah, pretty good. I like the song, Hang By a Moment. I listened to it a bunch. Um, and he really was the one who, who latched on to them. And he got that album, and he got Stanley Kleinfall. And he's like, man, you gotta listen to this. This is like a really good album. And I always like to vision myself as i'm the one who picks music and i throw it out to others here is what's good here is what you will like i know you therefore you will like this band um, and a lot of times though my brother would kind of come to me and be like man you're gonna like this and he's always right like he always would pick out stuff that i would like so yeah um I, it always made me feel good to know that Man, sometimes even I can be surprised. and, and you know, I pride myself on, on knowing music and, and liking what I like and knowing what other people would like, but it's it's kind of uh, humbling to know that, hey, yeah, sometimes people got your number too, buddy. And, yeah, he introduced me <laughs> to Stanley, Stanley Climbsball. Um, yeah. Yeah, some of those songs, I mean, it's not like, we've just been talking a lot about me, I'm like, I love my rock. I love, you know, uh, stuff that's fast and powerful, but yep. everyone's lots well, of nice stuff time To slow it down and just kind of fall into a song and kind of you know float away with it, so to speak. Um, yeah, and it sounds like Take Me Away on that album. That that sounds amazing,
1: yeah, absolutely. And um, again, admitting something nerdy that I did, um, not ashamed of it though. Um, I talked about it on one of my podcasts on Mike on the mic. I talked about going to King's Dominion and how much I loved um, that part. I actually went to King's Dominion see LifeHouse. LifeHouse was playing at King's Dominion. So it was, like, water park, roller coasters, hanging by a moment. Hell yeah, let's do all of these things. And it was it was so cool because it was like... But it was one of those moments, like, it was me and, like, a couple of my friends, and, like, the girl I was dating at the time. And we're, like, in our, like, early 20s. And, like, a ton of 13-year-old girls. And I'm, like, looking around and I'm, like, oh, this is weird. This is awkward. And, like one of my friends uh shauna and if she's listening i doubt it but maybe she's listening uh shauna was just being horribly inappropriate it was hilarious because she was yelling at uh the lead singer jason she was like take your shirt off like but she kept yelling it too she's like and like even using like the right accent like the the southern drunken accent, take off your shirt like it was it was fantastic so,
0: let's, okay, we're getting into the part where we're talking about embarrassing bands that we've seen live. I guess yep. it's my turn. Um, I have gone and enjoyed a Good Charlotte concert, and I know a lot oh. of people have just turned off the podcast, so... You know, it was, it was <laughs> um, but yeah, they um, they were playing at the Peterson Event Center, which is the sports complex for the University of Pittsburgh. Yeah. Um, so, that, I mean, it was a huge concert. And they were co-headlining with Newfound Found Glory. So long-time nice. listeners know Newfound Glory made my list of favorite bands ever. And that's really who I kind of wanted to go see. But I was like, all right, good show. I know, like, uh, you know, Lifestyles of Rich and the Famous and uh, whatever that other song is. Yeah, 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 they're cool. We'll, we'll watch them and stuff. But I thought they were kind of great. I mean, I really liked watching them. Um, yep. We found Glory kicked ass, but you yep. know, Good Charlotte was surprisingly good. And after that, I picked up a few of their other albums, um, and one that came out while I was in college. Um, it was called Good Morning Revival. Came out in 2007. Yeah, um, it actually has some some really good songs on it. And they did a uh, a song, The River, that has uh, some of the guys from Avenged Sevenfold play with them. Wow, you're thinking Good Charlotte. Avenged Sevenfold same sentence that can't possibly be right but yeah no they they collaborated and they, they actually made some really good music on that album um that's one of those bands that you know they hit in the early 2000s they were pop punk they were your you know like with Newfound Glory them simple play and that kind of stuff and yeah. kids in high school loved it no one else did um I guess it just kind of stuck with me ever since
1: you know what's crazy about that is for me to hear that somebody that didn't grow up in the dc metro area got good charlotte and liked them because good charlotte is from waldorf maryland which is like 20 minutes outside of dc and they were huge here i mean hey huge they were giant people like would just lose their minds over good charlotte and they played the hf festival which was every memorial day they would do this like two-day concert event and it was just all these bands it was awesome and good charlotte played there and it was the first time i had ever seen them and they did this song off their first album called Festival Song, which is about the HF Festival. And they, like, recorded the video for it at the HF Festival, and, like, supposedly, like, I'm in there somewhere. I had some doofus friend who was like, if you freeze frame at 2 minutes and 14 seconds, you can see that you're wearing this hat. You're there. I'm like, dude, who cares? Just whatever. But it's cool to see that they went elsewhere, and that other people actually went and saw them, and it wasn't just the DC metro area. So that's pretty cool.
0: Yeah, and, and like I was saying that like the Peterson, we call it the Pete. I mean, it's a big venue, and that place yeah. is full. Nice. Uh, so I mean, yeah, like you said, they it, it's it, it's one of those bands. Um, I, I feel like it's kind of like McDonald's. Everyone kind of like crapped on them and was like, ugh, this music is garbage" and stuff. Yet they still sold like a billion tickets, just like McDonald's. Like uh, they can't be selling billions of hamburgers every day, and everyone not going there. Everyone say, like, "I'd never go there," but. Yeah. Literally someone's going there, and that's how I thought yeah. about Good Charlotte, because that place was packed, and I'm like, I didn't realize they had any fans, let alone this many fans. Yeah, uh, and that's yeah. People went to see, like, New Front was an afterthought. I think I was the only one who was there to see them. Everyone wow. Everyone was there to see Good Charlotte. I was, I was, it was kind of uh, eye-opening that there is a really diverse group
1: of people out there. Yeah. Um. Okay, so now my turn to talk about Banff. I've uh, seen that I'd almost be ashamed to admit that I've seen in concert because we talked about this and you actually don't like them Um, I went to go see um, at the Patriot Center which is like where George Mason plays Um, I went to go see Linkin Park and Linkin Park is one of those bands where again people nobody, they've sold a billion albums and people are like well I don't really like them Um, but that's not the one we're talking about Um, I'm talking about who opened for them and that's P.O.D. P.O.D. The reason why I like them so much is, one, all their songs are pretty catchy for the most part. Now, granted, after their first album, they kind of all sound the same, so you kind of lost interest in it. But the fact that they did one of their... I want to say it was their second video um, for uh, uh, Boom. And it, they made it seem like it was this cool, badass, like, sports thing where they are all these, like, cool a- athletes, and then it turns out they're playing ping pong. And for them to have, like, a sense of humor about their music... But more importantly, when they were playing... They were incredibly gracious. Every song, after people would applaud, they're like, you guys, that's awesome. Thank you so much for all the support. Thank you so much. I didn't realize they were religious either. They're like, they they really love Jesus. I mean, a whole lot. And like every single time, thank you guys so much. Oh, God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. And it was kind of like humbling at the same time where it was like, wow, these guys are really appreciative of, of us being here. So... Even though they're not, like, I'm never going to put them on, like, my top ten or anything like that. Like, the fact that they appreciated that you came and you're applauding for what they're doing, it almost made them play better. And, I mean, you gotta, you gotta dig that, you know? Like, when you can see that somebody really, truly enjoys what they're doing, and that they're doing it for the fans, like, you, you can't beat that.
0: Especially when there is such a level of arrogance with a lot of acts out there, and a lot of fans who... I guess, to a degree, kind of take for granted their success yeah. being out there, and It's it is kind of nice to hear a band, whether you appreciate, like, I don't particularly like that kind of music, but yeah. it's kind of cool to hear the act of the band, you know, being that kind of group, you know, acting yeah. in that manner.
1: Let me give you a quick tip-in with that, because you mentioned, like, it's always nice to see them not be pompous and arrogant, like a lot of rock bands are, um... Audio Slave played at HF Festival one year, and I was psyched out of my mind because Rage Rage is one of my favorite bands of all time. And I always dug Soundgarden, but I was never really a huge fan. But I always appreciated the amazing voice that uh, Chris Cornell had. And they came up on stage. They played a couple songs. They're really, really good. And at one point, they're playing like an extended set because they're one of the headliners. Chris Cornell, like, gets on the mic, and he's like, all right, guys, so uh, I'm going to play some of my uh, solo stuff. Uh, not that you guys deserve it, but I'm going to play it for you anyways. And you were just like, who the F are you? Like, we know you're Chris Cornell, but Jesus Christ, man, chill out. And as soon as he finished saying that and he started strumming on the guitar, somebody threw a full bottle of water at him, and it hit him right in his hand. And it was like, you couldn't have crafted better karma. It's like, you're going to come up here and say your little juice bag phrase and then you're gonna get nailed with a bottle of water and it's like he got it too because as soon as it hit him on the in the hand he like started laughing he was like are you effing serious like you could just see it on his face he's like kind of chuckled he's like all right i guess i deserve that and he starts playing again and like i want to say later in the set he was just like you know hey guys uh if i said anything before you know i just wanted to let you know that i do appreciate y'all being here we really appreciate the the support so like i guess he got it but still like the, the karma was fantastic you couldn't beat that
0: yeah, that's like sitcom level perfect timing.
1: Yeah, that's that's your DC crowd right there, man. We don't we don't appreciate people talking trash to us. So, um, one of the bands that, and I'm gonna go on this HF festival tangent for a second here. Um, we talked about it, and I didn't figure you would know who they were because they're again they're local. Um, and they had their moment in the sun, but that's SR71. And I got to see them at the HF festival, and they were so cool, like. They just, they are rock stars, but they're really, really gracious. They're really nice. Like, after they played their set, which their set was amazing. They finished their set, and, like, they're signing autographs. And I got to meet Mitch, the lead singer, and I was just like, he was like, hey, man, what's your name? I was like, uh, my name's Mike. And he's like, that's cool, Mike. Thanks for coming out, bro. And I was like, <laughs> okay, thanks, Mitch. I'm like, good. exactly. Like, I just, I couldn't even say anything. He was so cool. And he was like, hey, bro, you want to get a picture? And I was like, hell yeah, I want to get a picture. Like, it, it, was, it was, they're just... For being a local band coming up small and having this one hit like it was on um, it was in that movie with uh, Jason Biggs uh, what's it called Loser it was like the main song in that movie it was him and uh, Mina Savari um, but like they blew up because of that song and they never really saw major success after that but still like for them to have that one hit was just like awesome I think it was um, Right Now what was it called yeah, that, yeah.
0: Was, that was the one that got like a lot of radio play um and
1: which i'm sure everybody will be listening to because it's playing underneath of our oh, podcaster here yeah
0: um yeah that's when you pick up that that album i got now you see inside and even the right now is a great song i mean anyone who's heard that song it's it's so catchy you can't not you know kind of tap your toes to it but um, yep. The song right before it, the one that opens the album, Politically Correct, I love that song. Like, yeah, great song, amazing. yeah. And it, it never, get, like you said, never got radio played, they never got big. I think they only had, like, one album after Icy Inside, so um, it, it's kind of a shame, because they were, they were a good band, so they were legitimately talented and, and, and fun. I think they just kind of fell cursed to that pop-punk wave that came in the early 2000s, yeah, really fizzled out, and only one or two of those bands are still around today.
1: Yeah, there's... Um, I'm going to quick hitter this one, too. Another band that's a local one that played the HF Festival that I love. They're called Jimmy's Chicken Shack. I don't know if you've ever heard of them or not, Steve. You
0: finally um, stopped me, Mike. I've never heard of that one.
1: Okay, I'll have to send you some of, your st- uh, some of their stuff so you can listen to it. But they're they're from Maryland. I mean, so Maryland, D.C., Virginia thing. Um, decent band. I wouldn't say they were great, but they were, they were okay. Um... But I, I mean, I always dug them. Uh, I loved seeing them. Actually, when um, they would, there's this place in Delaware, like right up from the beach house that we used to own, um, called the Rusty Rudder, and it's like this concert venue where like all of your B and C list stars go play. And they played there one time, and I was like maybe 19 or 20 years old. and I went and saw them, and it was such a good show. It was so much fun because they knew who they were playing to. They were playing to drunk college kids, and it was it was just a, a ton of fun. Um, another band that I saw at. The HF Festival, and I actually saw them at the Warp Tour the same year, uh, later in the year, was uh, Kwarashi. Kwarashi is an Icelandic rap metal band. Like, if you took the Beastie Boys and you took like Power Man 5000 and kind of smashed them together, that's what Kwarashi is. The fact that they sing in English but they don't really understand the English language that well. It just makes them that much better. They're one of my favorite, like, no-name-you've-never-really-heard-of-them bands of all time. I got to meet them at the uh, at the warp Tour. They signed all my stuff. They were really, really cool. But, like, just in general, like, that that's one of those things. I don't know if you ever do this, but if you have, like, a couple bands that you really like that are kind of, like, not mainstream, you get to feel like a hipster for a second, and you're just like, oh, I like them both. But you've probably never heard of them. You know, no big deal. Like... That's one of the ones I take pride in, because nobody really knows who Kurashi is.
0: So I don't necessarily feel that way about music. Like, I always feel like I'm trying to educate people. Like, I never feel good about a band if I'm the only one who knows them, because if I like them, I'm going to want them to make more music, and if I'm the only one buying their albums, that's probably not going to happen. That's Uh, true, yeah. So, like, I've always constantly been fighting, like someone please listen to dream theater with me and and around like the early two 2000- i mean they've always had a huge following but it's always been kind of underground like there's you know huge culture and everything um, yep that's the only band that i really fight for like i don't really care if anyone listening here doesn't listen to any of these bands like if you never listen to Godsmack for for your whole life like i'm not gonna lose any sleep over it or anything like that yeah
1: but, yeah um, you're just hurting yourself because Godsmack's awesome
0: i know right yeah um, So I want to take it all the way back Like um, we've been talking a lot of nostalgia A lot of Oh I listened to this when I was high school and stuff I want to take this one all the way back to fourth grade Wow um, okay I got this album as a Valentine's Day present For my fourth grade girlfriend <laughs> <at> the <time. laughs> They had a little Valentine's dance at the mall And uh, we went together and exchanged presents and stuff And it was very adorable Uh, But it was the first actual CD I ever owned. Um, And it was um, Tub Thumper by Chumbawamba. (laughs) Yeah, it took a a little energy for me to get that out of my lips.
1: Um, (laughs) It was like it was was painful for you to admit it. You are just like, I can't believe I'm about to tell this. Show us on the doll where they touched you and you're just like,
0: Chumbawamba, Tub Thumping. Chumbawamba, they did it. Um, <laughs> I mean, we listened to cassettes and stuff, and my parents yeah. had a few CDs that were like classical and big band CDs, but that was the first CD that was mine that I ever yeah. owned, um, and man, we listened to that album top to bottom like everyone knows. Thumping, I get knocked down. I get up again. You know, everyone knows that song. You have heard it in the mall or at an amusement yeah. park or something, and wanted to kill yourself because it's just the worst song.
1: But everybody loved that song when it came out. They can't—they can't say now. Like everybody's got you know, like retroactive amnesia. But like they're all like, "Well, this song was horrible. Man, that song was so addictive. Everybody loved that song.
0: Catchy. And I don't know what it was about because the rest of the album sounds just like that. Like, you know, that that sound. Um, Yeah. But we listened to, me and my brother, we would listen to that CD all the time. It was that, the the, uh, CD player was down in the basement where we had our (coughs) computer and we played these old PC games. Um, There was a little basketball hoop in the basement that we'd run around and shoot hoops on. And all of these activities would take place while listening to Chumble of Thumper. And yeah, I'm kind of glad that that, Dragon Ball Z video came along and I was able to get into Dragon Ball Z because if all I had was Chumbawamba, I feel like I'd be a very different person musically right now if that was the basis for all of my music uh, thoughts and everything. But (laughs) I did not realize too, and just kind of learning more about them, because I I still kind of like that album. I still kind of like them. They've been around since 1980.
1: Yeah, they've been around for a while. Yeah, they've been around
0: forever, dude. That's thirty-five years. Yeah, it's unbelievable. But yeah, they yep. didn't really hit it big until that album came out. And that—I mean, it, that's the only album of theirs I own. That's the only one I'm probably ever going to own. But I still listen to it because that was my CD. That was my first CD.
1: Absolutely. Now you mentioned something that's kind of interesting too, and I don't know if this is everybody or maybe it's just the two of us because apparently we were like genetic clones of each other moved to separate parts of the country um but your little brother is oftentimes the not influence but is the introducer of you to new music that you never really knew you would have liked that you like right
0: yeah like like i said like i was always on the quest to find new music to find new yeah. things listen to what me too saying, yeah, yeah. And I always thought, like, I had what I wanted. I already I already knew about the stuff that I wanted. And he would just come yep. along and be like, here's a CD. And you're like, where did you find it? Like, how did you yep. – how did I miss it, number one? And number two, how did you know that I would like it so perfectly, just place place in my hands like some kind of magician?
1: Yeah, that's the way my little brother Nick is. And um, Nick introduced me – he was the one that introduced me to uh, Children of Bodom. And I heard them, and I was like, what is this? And he was like, this is Bodum. Just love it. And he, like, burned me a CD for it, and it was, like, the coolest thing ever. Um, but one of the bands, and it's that same kind of, like, pop, pop punk that we were talking about before, and I wish I would mentioned it then, but uh, I don't know if you've ever heard of them, Sugar Colt? Mm. They did an album called Palm Trees and Power Lines, And he gave it to me, put it on my iPod for me, and I listened to it, and it was amazing. It was so good. Like, from track one all the way through. It was such a good album. I was like, "Why have I never heard of this?" And he's kind of like the one that introduces me to more music. Not so much stuff that like, "Oh, I picked this out specifically for you," but like he'll find things that I never would have known existed if it wasn't for him. So, way to go, Nick. Good job, man.
0: Yeah, I was like that other album. It had start static. It had like bouncing off the walls and stuff. That, that was a yeah. job. But the only thing I really knew from Palm Trees and Power Lines was Memory.
1: Yeah. There's I the rest of the songs, like yeah. Do, right? Yeah, that was their big one, but there's, like, three or four other songs on there that are just absolutely dynamite. Um,
0: I, I like Trigger Car. That was another one that was, like, a couple of their songs made into those Steve mixes I, I mentioned before. Um, yeah. That was never one that we had, like, the full album of them listened to at the time. But, yeah, they definitely made it into the rotation.
1: Yeah. Um, we talked about this one last night, too, and we both um, painfully painfully admitted that we liked this and that was creed (laughs) (laughs) i don't care whatever judge me go ahead and do it if you grew up in the same time that i did you listened to creed you loved creed especially when they had um what was the name of that song i'm gonna i'm gonna try to remember it now um no it was it was that um it wasn't that album it was the next one uh I'm gonna see if I can try to remember it now and pull it. Um,
0: My sacrifice. Well, thank you. That's the one. Like, like it's nothing.
1: <laughs> like it's no big deal. You just have their whole catalog in your brain. Um, My sacrifice. They did this tribute on ESPN. It was like right. It was for the World Series, and they were showing it was the Yankees versus the uh, Diamondbacks, and they were showing all the stuff from 9/11, and they were playing that song, and I remember to this day, like, well, I mean, I had just joined the army too, so like. All that patriotism stuff, like, made me screw up. Anyways, but, like, they played that, and I just remembered that. uh, Because I ended up buying that album. It was fantastic. Every track on that album was great. And that was, like, their time. 2001 was, like, the the year of of Creed making it huge. And they've fallen apart since then, unfortunately. (laughs) Um, And they actually, you know, it was funny. um, Scott Staff left, and I can't remember the name of the lead singer, came on. But um, another guy took over uh, for him with the rest of the band. And they ended up becoming... Um, Alter Bridge. Thank you, Alter Bridge. And Alter Bridge is pretty friggin' good too. Yeah. And yeah.
0: I... Guitar is the like basis. Pretty much every part of Creed was actually pretty musically talented. Yeah. Um, it's just that Scott Stapp, and, and he even admits it at the time and everything, he was an insane alcoholic. He yeah. He had a lot of problems controlling that side of his life. Um, and that really kind of destroyed the band. They didn't always make the best musical decisions or decisions for the band as a whole. And that's why they ended up falling apart. Um, I actually kind of think it would be interesting, like you said, because some of those songs that we just mentioned a second ago were, were huge hits. I mean, they got radio play all the time.
1: Yeah, I mean, Higher was, was on. Geez, I mean, that got played a billion times. Like
0: capable during that yeah. time. And um, it's just kind of really interesting, like, does Creed have a couple more albums if he isn't an alcoholic um but I, I like Alter Bridge actually I mean it's it's kind of like admitting you like Creed without admitting you like Creed um
1: yeah basically yeah it's
0: just Creed without Scott Stapp but they're yep. actually pretty good so if you never heard that definitely check them out um yeah they have some good their first album One Day Remains um I think it's the song Open Your Eyes was the single off of that one. And that song, like, that was the first one I heard. That was the first one they released. And I was like, okay, so this is, like, for real, this is a good band. And then my buddy Jim, who was on the second episode of Educated Guests, is like, yeah, you know, that's, like, Creed, right? But with a different guy. And I didn't believe it because it it sounded so good.
1: Yeah, (laughs) it was. It was so amazing. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, no, I really liked Alderbridge. I remember I got introduced to them uh, via the WWE because their song, Metal Lingus, is the theme song or the entry song for Edge, the wrestler. And I was like, what is this? And my brother was like, oh, that's Alter Bridge. Again, Nick coming up big with the musical uh, recommendations. He's like, yeah, that's Alter Bridge. And he had the album and he gave it to me. And I was like, holy crap, who are these guys? And he was like, it's Creed minus Scott Stapp. And I was like, what? Are you kidding me? Like, I loved Creed. What happened to Scott Stapp? he's like, yeah, they kicked him out because he's an alcoholic. And I was like, wow, okay. All right, well, let's listen to these guys and i was incredibly impressed and another one in that same band you mentioned actually that you only really know of one of their songs and we're going to remedy that i'm going to get you a copy of their uh, best of because i have uh, i have it and i'll send it to you but that's our lady Peace, um canadian band don't you know we're not going to hold that against them um but they are one of those you will if you'll hold it against them okay <laughs> Even though you're closer to Canada than I am, but hey, one of my
0: favorite bands ever is Rush, and they're like yeah. the Canadian band, so no, I have no problem with that. <laughs> yeah,
1: in fact, every album you buy from Rush comes with a bottle of maple syrup. I don't know if you guys knew that or not, but yeah. Um, our lady Peace is our lady piece was that like early '90s um, alternative rock. Like they fit with everybody else. You've heard their songs. I guarantee you have, if you listen to radio in that time, and you were listening to like alt rock and stuff like that. But they're just one of those bands that just they just ooze like that rock star mentality. They just the way they play, the way they sing, the, like the lyrics. They're just they're amazing. They're a great band. Um, and again, like I got to meet them at the HF festival one year. And again, the lead singer, the guy named his name is uh, Rain Maida same thing he was just like ultra cool like he just couldn't help it even like I guarantee you that even when this guy like wakes up after a nap and there's like drool hanging off of his uh, lips he's still cool you'd just be like hey what's up I'm, Ray I'm the lead singer of Lady Peace uh, so I song and you're just like wow this guy's cool no matter what he does like just an overall good man I feel like they're really really underrated Um but just a, a couple of amazing albums they put out
0: yeah, I mean, if the, the the song that you mentioned and it was their hit at the time, somewhere out there, yeah. I remember watching the um, the music video to that one back the music videos were a thing. Um, and it was like all the fans like climbing up on the scaffolding of their their concert and then, like falling off and being caught by the the rest of the fans and stuff. It was a, and it was all slow motion and stuff because that was the name of their their album was Gravity, and so yeah. it was all like kind of like the the people falling, so coming to gravity and stuff. But Somewhere out there, if, if that song is any indication of what the rest of their stuff is, then you're right. I think I will like them quite a bit. Yeah,
1: yeah, they're good stuff, man. Um, you got any others that we missed?
0: Um, I mean, there's a few more on the list, but I, mean, I think we've hit all the really the, the, the ones I wanted to hit on. I'm um, just throw in a few other names out there. Uh, uh, Lesser-known band, the, the one I really like. Have you ever heard of Stabbing Westward?
1: Yes! Oh my god! I love Stabbing Westward. Like every single song that they write, is like it was meant to be in an action movie, like a big dramatic scene, like where like the bad guy is like gonna kill the guy's girlfriend, but he like makes his way through the the building and kills all the other terrorists and saves her at the last. Set. Yeah, like stabbing westward is like the most epic of bands of all. Every song that they wrote was just like. I don't even know how to describe it. They're just, yeah, they're fantastic. I love
0: them. And that is, like, 99% true until their very last album they did as a band, um, their self-titled one in 2001, and they completely changed their sound. It's, like, all kind of, like, slowed down and like, gothic love story songs. Are you serious? Yeah, it's a. It, and it's actually one of their better albums. Like, it's really good music, but it's completely different. Um, but, yeah, like you said, like, some of their stuff, it was, like, mid to late 90s, that kind of rock, early electronica stuff where it had a lot of sound effects and synthesizer stuff going on. Um, Yeah, they even had uh, one of their songs in the Spawn movie. Uh, That's where, like you said, like action, you know, superhero kind of stuff. But yeah, they always always, uh, were like a gothic rock, just, you know, high intensity, high energy. It made you think of like a rave Kind of stuff, but rock yeah. and roll at the same time. Um, and and me and my one friend in middle school, he's the one who turned me on to it. Um, and we were listening to it. And we thought it was like the coolest thing. We tried to like form a little rock band and stuff and play their stuff. And um, I, I, you might be the first person I have ever met who's actually known who stabbing Wester was, other than people I've talked to about it. So um, yeah, yeah. I, I don't know why they didn't stay together. I don't know why they weren't a bigger band. But I, I love their stuff. I mean, if, if you're going to you. out, get Darkest Days or get their self-titled, they're very, very good.
1: Yeah, there's there's a couple of my friends that really, really dig them, too. So, like, uh, I'll make sure that I mention them in the podcast or uh, on the liner notes. Well, I'll mention them now. Like, Danny. Danny's one of the ones that writes. Uh, she wrote the Transformers review, mm-hmm. and she wrote the uh, musical. She likes Stabbing Mustard. But then my buddy, Matt Irwin, uh, he likes Stabbing Mustard as well. So, hey, guys. Welcome to... The internet. Congratulations, you're on the podcast. Um, but yeah, I'm like, um, yeah, I love Steady Brothers. They were fantastic. And again, I didn't think they got really as much um, credit for how good their stuff really was. Um, I mean, you see that with a lot of music, like you said. You know, I mean, you can't catch every single one every single time. It's just a matter of timing. A lot of times, it's luck too. It's you just got to hit the right time and. Um, I mentioned this actually somebody was talking to me about it the other day they were like oh well this song because um, I'm a dork and I'm uh, on a Foo Fighters uh, message board on Facebook and somebody was like oh this song is far superior to Everlong uh, The Pretender is far superior to, to Everlong and I was like look first off Everlong is the greatest song ever written so you're wrong secondly I was like if it wasn't Forever long and it wasn't for the color and the shape the foo fighters would have been a novelty act because it was dave roll the drummer from the foo Fight, uh, from nirvana who had his little side project and the only thing they were known for was that music video where they were doing the mentos commercial i was like so if they didn't have color in the shape there would be no foo fighters as we know them today so you just bow your head in shame and walk away like i just like exactly like it was but that's that's the thing is it with a lot of bands, if they didn't hit it at the right time, if they didn't catch that wave right when it was happening, you never would have heard of them. They would have just been another forgotten one hit wonder. I mean, like, think about, um, like, Eminem, for instance. Eminem is a perfect example of hitting it at the right time. When he came out, I remember, um, again, going back to HFS, and let me just give a re- real quick plug to that radio station. It doesn't exist anymore, and it sad, saddens me every day. But when I was a kid, um, that was the place to go for music because it was the place that would play things that no one else would play. They would play alt-rock. They would play rap a lot. They played Eminem. They were the first place in the DC metro area to play anything by Eminem. They were the first place to play Matchbox 20. They were the first place to play um, Maroon 5. like These bands that are now like poppy and like are all over the radio didn't have a place to be played until places like HFS played them. And I remember Eminem coming out in his first song was uh, My Name Is and it was just goofy and funny and I was like, is this all this guy's going to do? And I went out and got his al- his album because um, like a buddy of mine worked at Best Buy and he was like, hey, it's only like eight bucks right now. And I picked it up and I listened to the whole thing and I was like, oh my God, this guy's amazing. I was like, the, the things that he's rapping about are like incredible. Like they're stupid and goofy and you laugh but then in the next lyric he's saying something that's incredibly powerful and hitting. Like why is this guy not blown up? And then he did blow up and it was, it was kind of cool to watch and, again, hitting at the right time, finding the right place to do it. And I feel like music, that doesn't really happen anymore. You don't really see artists do that. Um, I mean, unless you can think of anything, Steve. I mean, I can't think of anything recent where they've kind of come from nowhere and become huge.
0: No, I mean, well, kind of. What I've been reading a lot of, too, is... How formulaic and how much music? And, and, and when I mean music, I mean stuff that's popular, stuff that like gets a lot of radio play. Not necessarily stuff I listen to. Yeah, but it is being almost. It, it almost feels like it's being produced in a laboratory. They know. Yeah, like uh, the, the one I was reading about, um, the one song Adele has, and I couldn't for life me tell you what it is. Um, but they're talking about how. The human brain naturally wants uh, things to harmonize and to be, you know, in in conjunction with each other. And so she'll sing these notes and they go just off, just a a hair out of harmony, and then they're brought back to harmony. And you, as a a listener, like the song more because there's that second of dissonance, but then she fixes it. And And when your brain hears something it doesn't like get fixed, it likes it even more than if the thing was is just consistent the whole time and the fact yeah. that they're putting that kind of science and that kind of thought into trying to sell albums that takes all like the passion stuff out of me out, out of it for me but you know with a lot of pop stuff they're just kind of going and finding whoever applying these kind of things and making them big names like that song yeah. call me maybe by carly ray Jepsen, that was like Again, just ubiquitous. It was everywhere. You you could not go outside of your house without hearing that song. Um, That song had actually been released for a while. They tweaked it with some of these parameters, and then she literally comes out of nowhere in Canada and becomes a huge household name. The fact that I can know who that is should say something, because I don't know anything about pop music. I don't care about it. I listen to different genres. So, I mean, that's the kind of stuff where it's not... You know, some garage band is writing the perfect song because they're, you know, just working over and over every day to try and be better musicians, and they come out of nowhere. You're not, you're not going to get, you know, a journey rate right and don't stop believing anymore. It's, you know, a factory of music scientists basically picking whoever looks good over here, applying some of these filters and these things that make a good catch-the-pop song, and then just handing it to someone who will look good singing it. Um, well, I hate that, but too. that's how you're getting people coming out of nowhere to make music.
1: Well, that's the same thing. Um, and i mention them again. I mean, I mean, my love for Dave Grohl is known. Um, but he talked about how he can't stand American Idol because of that reason and that alone. He said, being a musician and being creative is not about standing in line and having somebody tell you you're, you're awesome and we're going to tweak you and put you in the studio and we're going to give you all these filters and make you sound great. He's like, Nirvana sucked. We were a garage band. He's like, but we kept working and we kept playing and we are friends and we loved each other and we just got better and better. And then we were the biggest band ever. He's like, that's what music is. He's like, get a guitar, get a set of drums, get a bass with your buddies and and play in a garage and suck and keep working together and keep writing and keep formula and, and keep getting it better and better. And then one day you'll see that you've become huge because you did it the right way, not because you just showed up. And it, it was so dead on. But then, even even later, like he he's friends with uh, Jack Black and Kyle Gass from uh, Tenacious D. He's really good friends with them, actually. Um,
0: he was the he was uh, the devil in there, movie, yeah. The take a destiny, which is
1: <laughs> yeah, he was the devil. I love that song, by the way, in that in that
0: movie. The Elzebras where they have like yes! the rock through. yeah, that's yes. amazing.
1: Check this riff; It's effing tasty. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Playing
0: drums um, and guitar and everything all at the same time.
1: <laughs> yeah. Like I love I love that part of the movie. But um, he did a thing – he did a bit with uh, Kyle Gaff where he was like, here's how you write the per- pop song. And putting no effort into it, he writes a song that I would listen to and love. Like he was like, all you got to do is take something that's like on a bumper sticker and then find another thing on a bumper sticker and come together. You just need that little catchphrase. And it was like, life's a bitch, so keep on trucking. And he's like, life's a bitch, so keep on trucking. And it's like the greatest song. You're like, yeah. And he like rips on Aerosmith for like a second, but then he realizes how much he loves Aerosmith because he talks about how like that's like every single one of their songs. It's like chorus, pre-chorus, post-chorus, chorus, 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 verse, chorus, 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 pre-chorus, post-chorus. He's like, it, it works every single time. And like he sings that song and you're like, this would be number one easily if they would the radio wow. um, we'll link to that uh, I read, I read as we're finishing the uh, the podcast here
0: absolutely and but um I, for me like the last little bit I don't know if you ever heard the song jukebox hero by foreigner yes I think what you just said like the lyrics of that encapsulates what a good musician is to me it's some kid at a concert you know standing in the rain that whole thing he he falls in love with the music goes to a store and gets a guitar, learns how to play it, and his band becomes the band that other people are standing in the rain watching to see, and he, and he kind of sees himself in the next generation who are listening to him. And, you know, even if it's a crappy band, even if it's some of these bands we listen here where you don't necessarily, you know, wear their t-shirt out in public because you don't want people knowing that you like them, it doesn't matter. I mean, it all influences what you like as music. It, it, it makes your band that you absolutely love even better. And like I said, sometimes it's good to just get away from the heady music and just enjoy something simple. Um, whatever you like, just keep liking it.
1: Absolutely, man. This was, I, I love talking about our, our musical tastes because again, like we mentioned in the TV show, uh, one, it's like, there's, there's this certain like line that we both follow where we're like, I like this. Me too. Great. It's the, we agree on everything podcast. But then there's always little bits and pieces that branch off where it's like, you like this band, and I'm like, eh, or I like a band, and you're like, eh, not a big fan. So we're on the same page for most of this, but it's not just us fighting over, like, our opinions on things. Yes, so.
0: It's the it's not the Steve and Mike agree hour. It's also not two dummies screaming at each other, I like rock, I like country, you're an idiot. Like, it's not that either.
1: This is going to be our new podcast, Steve. <laughs> The, the fourth installation on the pirate radio network is I like rock, I like country, well, you suck <laughs> uh,
0: I think that's one of my favorite jokes ever um it, it's Bob hope, and he's like you know i i, I don't like country music, but i don't want to denigrate anyone who likes country music and uh, for people who like country music, denigrate means put down uh, <laughs> and it just always makes me laugh because it's just I don't know. It's just perfect. It's Bob Hope, you know. Uh, Absolutely. So yeah, that's what it's going to be. Two two hillbilly and a, and a rock guy screaming at each other
1: for an hour. There you go. There you go. So stay tuned for that one, folks. Uh, that'll be on our uh, podcast here <laughs> banjo's very very soon. Plenty. That's what it's called. Would you Would you say banjos
0: a plenty? That's what the the podcast plenty. is.
1: Banjo versus electric guitar. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right, man. Well, this was fun. I, I always, as always, always a blast. Um, I mean, again, we're, we're... This month, you guys stay tuned. We got a ton of stuff coming up on uh, GGR for the anniversary. I mean, we're... Steve's going to do an article. I'm going to do an article about, like, our, the favorite things that we've had. Our article's up to this point. We're going to write some more stuff. We've got more content. Um, I'm working on adding more writers. Um, we going to be advertising soon. I mean, we're already advertising with Amazon. So there's all sorts of products. Like, for instance, we did um, the video games... That are uh, comic book based that we really, really love. And uh, there's a link there um, to Amazon. So if you wanted to buy a copy of Batman Arkham Asylum, you can pick it up right there. And then you'd be helping DGR. Um, So we're going to be doing things like that. Um, Yeah, hopefully,
0: would you agree it's safe to say there's about a a flood of new content coming their way?
1: Oh, um, a, a plethora, if you will. A plethora, yes. Not an overabundance, but yeah, it's pretty close to an overabundance.
0: Plethora out of his sheath there, guys, so you know he means business.
1: This is serious stuff. You don't just use Plethora and not mean it. So. <laughs> well, again, for GGR Pirate Radio, my name is Mike Lunford.
0: I'm Steve Martin. Thanks again, guys. God bless, guys. See you. you.
1: This has been a GDR Pirate Radio Network production. Woohoo!